0: Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth with your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie.
1: Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen, and I'm here with my co-host, who you all know as Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. Rod, what's up, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I am good. Other than the dreary yeah. weather outside. But okay, so it's ugly outside, but I'm feeling good in here.
2: Good. Nice and warm. Nice and warm. In your heart.
1: Yeah, yeah we've got like the Christmas tree up, a fireplace going. Yeah. Oh, it's just, see, so there's that's like the the positive, just kind of the ambiance you can create during that holiday season. Yeah. So anyway, I'm living that up, living nice. that up. I like it. Okay, Rod, I got to say congratulations. I don't know if you mentioned this. On, oh, you did mention this on a recent podcast, but we recorded it yesterday, to be mm-hmm. fair. But anyway, congratulations on um, your son, Spencer, who graduated basic training.
2: Yeah, yeah, he made it. He <laughs> made
1: it. How was it? Did he Did he say he like, barely made it, or did he like cruise through?
2: Uh, well, I mean, there, there, he would say there were <laughs> times he struggled, but um it's actually really cool to see like how how much confidence and and just like he stands straight straighter anyway he, so and, you know not that he was a slouch before but but uh no I, but he's I already it, being I whipped into shape really good for him yeah absolutely Very cool. and and now moves on to the next step and and kind of builds on that but but
1: yeah thank you for saying that I and he wants to be it, a like a tank mechanic or something yeah. right Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Well, that's super cool. Rod, today we're going to talk about the importance, maybe not the importance. We are going to talk about the importance of valuing a business. Mm. We're also going to talk about the importance or the value of owning a business. Okay. So this is a topic I've been thinking about a lot. And yesterday you did a great Facebook live uh, specifically on business valuations. So we thought it would be a good chance to build on that concept of how do I actually value a business and kind of what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but, but it also made me think like, man, in just having a business, owning something, owning things is just so incredibly powerful. So I thought maybe what we'll do is we'll start with that. It is Rod, the first of our high income, our 10 That's high true. income money hacks. Yep. And it's true, Rod, business owners really do get all the breaks.
2: Yeah, Absolutely yeah no i'm excited to get into it cuz in and on the high income money hack we focused a lot on the tax but we'll get into a few more things here that i think will be really helpful for people to to, to kind of get a glimpse to, into
1: okay so before we jump into the topic all in i've got to have i've got to throw out a few announcements okay first of all i keep mentioning it but i'm going to keep mentioning it that was quite a sentence rod yeah i keep mentioning it but i'm going to continue to mention it <laughs> okay the first thing is the high income money hack so if you haven't gone to the website Go check out the High Income Money Hacks. That'll also get you access to the member area, which is the curated curriculum that'll Mm -hmm. be built out for you based on the way you answer the investor quiz. So it's kind of this whole ecosystem that's built together to create um, content that's like relevant for the individual. So anyway, go check out the High Income Money Hacks. We also have out on the website freshly the 10-step formula to financial freedom. And then finally... If you haven't joined our Facebook group, Investment Strategies for High Income Earners, we'd love you to do so. Um, we do Facebook Lives every Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we're going to be super consistent on that. And we're committed to continuing to put out uh, consistent and quality content that will help people go from high income to high net worth.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's a good place not just to connect with, with us and some of those things that we're putting out, but connect with each other, mm-hmm. a community.
1: Absolutely. Probably the most important, the the best value from it is one hundred percent the community. Yeah. Um, and we're excited for for people. Here's the thing. We have like all of these incredibly highly successful clients. And so to be able to share their combined wisdom, like it just it just lifts everybody. So absolutely. so please so come check out the Facebook group. Again, it's investment strategies for high- income earners. Uh, we are trying to get messages to go directly out from Facebook, but ran into a little bit of a snag. So that might lag a little bit, but if you go into Facebook groups and just look up investment strategies for high income earners, you can join it um, easily that way. Okay, Rod, let's get into the topic, which we talked, which we kind of hit on already. But I want to just start by maybe talking a little bit about why I think owning a business is so important from a wealth building perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're—that's really the focal point. So there's probably a lot of reasons why. Someone doesn't or shouldn't own a business too, but we're specifically going to talk about the value of owning a business from a wealth building perspective. I, I have to put that caveat in there because we want to recognize that that business ownership isn't necessarily right for everybody and mm-hmm. not even and it's not even necessarily right for all high income earners, right? Everybody's a little bit different in how they want to you know grow and progress and build their wealth. but but I genuinely believe, And this is kind of a bold statement, but I genuinely believe that business ownership is the fastest and most effective way to build, let's call it generational wealth.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I think about my own business, Rod, like most of my, or a big portion of my wealth would be locked up in the value of our business. Yeah. Right now we've, we've been very fortunate to bring out significant incomes and like, that's been great. But like, When I look at it from a net worth standpoint, Mm -hmm. well, what I've got inside my business and what I could sell the business for is a lot more valuable today than, than just the income alone.
2: Right. And that was built from, well, basically nothing, right? If you think about the way that we normally think about building wealth, investing in real estate, investing in other people's businesses, there's something there to begin with. In this case, we basically, you know, with a lot of work, blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, so again, maybe I shouldn't say from nothing, but but without <laughs> a, a starting point, without a, an initial value, creating value.
1: Well, and what's really cool about it is we started, of course, as a the purpose was to build an income, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. And so what's really interesting is that it's almost one of those things that's been really neat in the sense that we focused on building an income focus on building an income and serving clients and like you know while, while we while we focus on building the brand and stuff i think the the core reason behind it was from from an income perspective mm-hmm. well what's really unique and interesting and amazing about ownership is that you can then turn around 10 years later or 20 years later and suddenly realize that while you've been building this income you've also built this incredible asset
2: yeah for sure. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if you look at the wealthiest people in the world, they are people who built something, yeah. yes. right? I mean, Without the Waltons, again, I mean, they just generationally at this point, uh, doing that, but even, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of shark tank. And I look at, at any of those people who are on there and none of them, you know, uh, started out, you know, with the silver spoon in their mouth, they, they, ground it out and, and then built something cool, sold it. Now they're a lot of them billionaires uh, as a result of that. And if you just continue to build, right. But it's getting to that level was about building a business or building a, a series of businesses.
1: Now, the good news, Rod, is there's a lot of ways to build a business, right? We've talked about this yeah. and even in our high income money hacks, we're emphasizing that, that, investing in real estate is a form of owning a business especially Mm -hmm. if you're doing it the you know you're doing it meticulously you're building a process around it it's 100 a business and so like it doesn't mean that it has to be you know some business you start from the ground up we had we had john austinson on yesterday who talks about building uh franchises like investing in franchises like there's a lot of paths to ownership but again just the kind of fact of the matter is is that the most um, effective wealth building tool that exists is ownership in some way. Shame. Wow. Some way. Oh, what am I trying to say? Way, shape, Um, or form? (laughs) That's that's it. Yeah. And I was thinking form or fashion too, and I was like combining the two. So yes, uh, but that's just the kind of the bottom line. Okay. So Rod, I want to make sure that we hit on Um, the tax thing. But I have a couple other thoughts before we jump into that. One of the other values that I love about a business is that it gives you a chance in a very unique way to create, potentially create time and financial freedom by leveraging other people, by leveraging Mm -hmm. your business, right? So you think about, um, again, in a traditional W2 situation, uh, if I leave, if I go on vacation, like I might've been able to build up some vacation hours, but I don't have the ability to leave for six months and, and have my business still paying me. Right. Mm -hmm, Like that's just not how it works. And so one of the things that ends up being really unique is that, um, as you build a more mature business, um, you have the chance to be as involved with it, but if you build the right type of business, then you could even step away from it and still Mm -hmm. have not only value in the business, but have it creating income for you. So really unique from that perspective.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And that's uh w- and we'll get into this a little bit later in terms of value business and, and potentially, you know, selling it. Um but even without selling it, like you said, you can create some of that that time freedom for sure.
1: Okay, Rod, why don't you hit on the tax kind of the at least high-level tax benefits and then we'll jump into some of the stuff you started getting into yesterday in the Facebook Live. We'll talk about like actually, um, how to value a business.
2: Yeah. And this one gets back to the idea that especially for high income earners, tax becomes the biggest expense I, I, in a large way, right? M- much larger than anything else. Uh, but for a business owner who also is a high income earner, it just gives you a lot more avenues to where you can create deductions, create, uh, really just kind of taking advantage of what the tax code offers to pay less tax. The income didn't change. You still earned a lot of income, but you kept more of it because you were able to build that into w- with the business, with the deductions that you can get. And so um, it, it's harder to find that kind of thing for a W-2 earner. There are a few things that that W-2 earners can do, um, but but for a business owner, there are, plethora of opportunities.
1: Well, and and that's kind of the reason we continually say that the tax code is just a giant list of of tax incentives that are generally for business owners. Yeah. Right. Yep. So anyway, if you can like learn to look at it that way, um, it'll have a huge impact. And again, this could be in your real estate business that you're doing you're investing in um, outside of your w your traditional W2 job and you can still create a lot of those same kind of benefits again mm-hmm. if you just start looking at the tax code as a series of incentives that you can take advantage of um, when uh, used appropriately
2: yeah absolutely
1: okay um is there is there anything else we want to hit on from a tax perspective
2: I feel like we hit on tax a lot in in from a lot of different angles um, so I, I didn't come you know, in the outline, building out a lot of like specific ideas, go to the high income money hacks. There, are, there are a bunch over there uh, that will yep. help you on that uh, as far as specific things. But, but again, just the idea that if you have a business and you have uh, the right CPA that can help you be creative and, and look for ways to to save tax, man, it's just a lot of opportunities.
1: Okay. Rod so let's talk a little let's move into the business valuation component. So yeah. the first question that I think comes to mind is why in the world is it even important to know the value of your business. Well, I'll just hit on it from my perspective and then I'll let you start teaching us about, you know, some of the ways that we actually create business valuations. Yeah. Um but from my perspective, one of the primary reasons again it go, kind of goes back to the biggest asset you own. Well, my biggest asset um, is the business. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if there comes at a point in time where I want, or deciding, okay, we're going to sell, let's say we decided to sell the business at some point, it would be really critical to know what it's actually worth. Mm -hmm. Right now that seems really obvious. Um, but I think it's important to not just know in the moment, but to periodically kind of get an updated view of what that is. And so even if you don't go out and have an expert valuation done, Um, it's certainly worthwhile to know at least the basic ways that you can value a business. Because again, you're talking about your biggest asset potentially. Mm -hmm. And when that sell happens for a lot of people, that's what they're using to fund the remainder of their life, right? Every business is different, but let's just say you own a medical practice and your intention is to work and you create a big income and maybe you put some money into retirement accounts along the way, but you're expecting to make a, you know, $8 million sell of the practice. Well, you know, the, the difference in planning could be a million dollars really easily just from doing some basic planning and making sure you're understanding like what that is along the way, not just in the moment. Gosh, Rod, I can't tell you how many times I've had people we've had people come to us and be like, Oh, I'm, I'm in the middle of a, I'm in the middle of selling my business. What can I do from a tax perspective to like Mm -hmm. mitigate all these tax you know, this tax that I'm gonna take. Yeah. And the, the, the fact of the matter is there's not a lot you can do when you're that far in the process. Mm-hmm. So it becomes really critical to get to it beforehand so you can make the, you know, put the plans in place, have a strategy in mind, um, because again, it could make the difference. it could be the difference in, you know, hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars, depending Absolutely. on the your business.
2: Yeah. Another thing that comes to mind as well is that as we're meeting with people and and just discussing, you know, what, what their net worth is. It's not that people forget that they have a business, but I think they very much undervalue the business and, and, and it matters. It matters in when we're applying for life insurance, it matters if they're going out trying to get a loan, uh, et cetera. And, and especially in a minute, we'll talk about business succession, but if, if you're being proactive in how you're going to transfer the, the business at some point, to someone else, then man, it, it, if you undervalue it, then you're, you're putting a lot of money on the table for, for your future, basically leaving it on the table. So it's, um, it is in, important to know now and then later when you get that, the actual appraisal and everything, you know, the, the professional valuation done when, when you're selling, uh, it, it all works together. But if, if you undervalue it now, then, then you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball moving forward.
1: The other thing that's coming to mind is, and and I'm not an expert in business valuation, but I do know that the way that you actually do the valuation has a significant impact on like the, so I've, I've read a bunch of different articles. And as we've talked to experts in this space, like I've heard people talk about this idea that depending on the type of business that you have, you mm-hmm. might want to value it in a specific. And when I when I say a specific way, I'm talking about, maybe a different formula for actually creating the business valuation, right? We're going to talk about the two primary ways. Maybe this is a good transition, Rod, to just start jumping into um, while there are probably other ways in addition to these, we're going to talk about kind of the two primary ways or the, or the few primary ways that, that a business valuation happens.
2: Yeah. And, and really the kind of the two categories is on the one hand, based on revenue and cash flow. And then the second category based on assets. And to begin with, let's start probably at the easiest place. And the, and that's where it's probably the, the easiest um, way to to do evaluation and the most common that people talk about. And that's just a multiplier off of your net income.
1: Yeah. Well, the, and then the question in that is like, well, where do you start? Right? Right. Yeah. Like,
2: how, how do you know what the multiplier is as, as a, to begin with? Right. So because it's different from, from industry to industry, um, in the medical kind of profession world of, of having a practice and that kind of thing. Um, it's four to seven times. Um, but that's a big range, right? Like if, if, uh, if my net income is a million and I'm saying four to seven, well, it could be anywhere between four and 7 million. Well, it's a big, you know, big range. Okay. So so
1: for clarity on that, Rod, you're talking about in in the medical space, you're saying, it's four to seven times net income,
2: net income. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Not revenue, net income specifically. Right. Yep. But which is interesting. Cause I, I think like an accounting practice is I've heard it's like 1.2 to 1.5 times revenue. Right. So there's just like yeah, all these right. variations yeah. that make yep. it a little bit convoluted.
2: That's true. Yep. So, so know the industry, uh, know how that works. Um, but again, then it's not even quite as simple as that. That because that can create a starting point. Yeah. Okay. Four to seven million, or, or whatever you know, you come up with from that. Uh, but then even inside of the whole revenue and cash flow world, there are two other things that are important. Number one is profit margins, which obviously make a huge difference in in terms of of that value for someone coming in. Because if I'm working off of a business that has very slim margins. uh even though my net income is, again, let's say it's the million, but I had to, I had to make ten million of of top level revenue to to produce the million of net income. Well, that's very different than if it was, you know, three million top level to to get the million. Right.
1: Yeah, that's an you're taking on in that situation as the buyer, you'd be taking on significantly more risk. Right. Which more means risk. you're going to sell the business as the as the seller of the business. It's not going to have the same value. As a business that's doing three million in revenue with a seventy percent profit
2: margin. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, because what comes with that a lot of times is a lot of overhead costs, inventory, other things like that 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 help tell the story. So again, this and a lot more an, work level, right? Yep, right. Yep. Like it takes there.
1: a lot more people, work, time, effort, all of those things to get to 10 million than it does to get to 3 million. Yep. So anyway, that's an interesting example. I think that makes a lot yeah. of sense.
2: And then the third inside of this, this revenue and cash flow is they call it discounted cash flows. That's just a fancy way of saying what, what is the, the anticipated cash flows coming into the business for the next few years? Because uh, for it, let's say you have a business that is on a very high growth curve. Um, just to make the numbers easy, let's say they're a hundred, that hundred percent growth year over year for the last couple of years and anticipating that'll continue for the future. Well, if my multiplier off of that is based off of what's happening today, but it's anticipated that the business will double next year and double the year again after that, then all of a sudden my, my million is 2 million next year, 4 million, the following year, 8 million. Well, all, all of a sudden now I'm, uh, selling at a discount if I only use that multiplier for that. So so you want to look at what the anticipated cash flows are. be able to justify it, right? It has to be legit. but if, sure. if you can do that, then that raises the
1: value of your business tremendously. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so Rod, we talked about the first kind of uh, class, which we're calling revenue and cash flow. Talk a little bit about the asset side.
2: Yes. And on the assets, uh, some of this would be very obvious, right? If, if I, um, have the medical practice and I'm own the building that I'm in, then that has value and can, can be separated from the business, but in a lot of cases it'll be packaged with it. So that's obvious. Uh, there's, there's equipment and thing, hard assets that come with the business that are just a, a part of the, the processes and whatnot, uh, that, that come with it. And those, have value as well. Ho- hopefully. Right. Like,
1: right. They um, may have value. Yeah.
2: That's, and you have to, you have to be about realistic it. about it, but yeah, if you've just run them into the ground then then maybe not, but, <laughs> but uh, if you've been keeping them up and replacing and all that kind of stuff, then, then they will. So that's one and, and probably the most obvious. The second one is on intellectual property. And this one is fascinating to me because uh, let's give an example. Let's say you have uh, an inventor who comes up with a really cool, you know, widget, and patents it, has all the intellectual property around it, but isn't a very good business person. They're not really gonna doing a good job at building a business around the widget. And so it's just not really going anywhere. Well, this is a great opportunity for an entrepreneur. And especially if it's like a, a complimentary business and you see this and you're like, man, that would be that would make a huge difference in my own business or in in being able to really make the most of this this new kind of way of doing things, a new widget. Um, you can buy technically you're, I guess, quote unquote, buying the business, but in reality, the value is in the patent in this case, right? Mm, Yeah. Because, um, it's patented. So you can't just copy it or shouldn't just copy it. Um, but, but you buy the patent and and you're off and running. The inventor is better off, right? They're happier now because they, they were floundering anyway.
1: They they couldn't create the business. They couldn't make, they couldn't turn it into money on their own anyway.
2: Yeah, and that's their strength. They'll move to the next thing, create another widget, and you know, patent that, and, and move on. You know, keep going that way. So, um, so it's kind of like aligning the the strengths in, in the right place. Um, so, and beyond that, you know, trademarks and technology. This is a big one. So, um, it's been kind of a, a funny thing over the last you know twenty years, as as you know, the whole .dot com and apps and and technology based things have. Uh, have come around and and the valuations on them are just become insane, especially as, as it relates to, to valuation off of the multiplier because they could still be losing money and, and sell for a billion dollars. Right. And, and it's because of the technology that's there that will turn into amazing, you know, streams of revenue in the future, um, but, but just hasn't yet. And so that's obviously falls into that kind of intellectual property.
1: Hmm.
2: And then after that, you get into like intangible assets, um, customer lists are, are big, right? Again, depending, regardless of how successful your, your business has been, if you have Mm -hmm. a solid database of, of people that would be valuable to someone else, Mm -hmm. then that obviously creates a lot of value, but this, and then stuff like mineral rights and water shares and other things, you know, again, depending on the nature of the business, and the last one is is uh, more kind of touchy feely. It's it's what they call goodwill, um, but it's the reputation. Uh, Google, Google reviews obviously play you know a part in this. Um, just kind of that whole brand recognition and and that that kind of thing because that that's enormous as well, right? If, yeah, if for sure. Regardless of maybe not regardless of, but in addition to what you've been able to do in actual revenue, if the buying you know, the, the buyer can see, oh, they the, this reputation or the, the reviews are are really good on this. Not only does that incentivize them to, to look a little more closer at your business, but there there's real value. And, and it actually shows up as a line item in a contract of, you know, how much of the sale of this business is coming from goodwill and they'll attach a number to it.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because that goodwill, it can be, it can be really, really powerful. Can also play against you, right? So let's this if you're a if you are a solopreneur, let's say, mm-hmm. okay, and I've got and I am the value of the like I do everything, all of it's the goodwill's in me. Yeah, and that could actually be problematic, it could be challenging to yep. your business. On the other hand, if you can transfer that to your business, to where your business has the goodwill, the great brand, mm-hmm. the great reputation, that's when you start to May kind of move the needle from a uh, you know being able to sell the business okay, so so rod, what happens in this is that we basically take all of these things to create what would be a business value, right? like mm-hmm. it's a combination of these assets that we're talking about and the cash flow components and we bring these together to create like a, a business valuation that makes sense. and yeah. again, you know it's hard for us to give an exact Hey, do this or this or this only because every industry ends up being so different. Yeah. Right. So it's using kind of these basic principles and then combining it with some due diligence specific to your industry so that you can come up with, you know, the right types of um, values, whether it's on, you know, the equipment or assets that you're you're putting out there or Mm -hmm. whether it's on, you know, the right kind of multiple based on the, way your business is built and the industry it's built in.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, Rod, this was fun. Is there anything else you want to hit on in the business valuation before we just take a second and talk about, we're going to do a teaser, Rod. We're going to talk about um the five primary ways that a business transfer takes place. Okay. And then, Rod, we're going to uh, we're going to have Jerry Barrowman come on. And he doesn't even know this yet. So this is going to be news <laughs> to him too. But we're going to have a, a mentor of ours, Jerry Barman, come on. He's an expert in succession strategies. And we'll kind of dig into these in a little bit more detail. Start to learn, okay, you know, Christian and Rod are sitting there saying, hey, you guys, you know, you need to be thinking about how to value a business. You need to be thinking ahead about strategies to move to the next generation or move out of your business. Well, where do I start? What do I do?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
1: kind of the next step.
2: Yeah. And, and it, like you said before, it needs to be something you think of early on because we've seen situations where people just assumed, Hey, when I get to retirement age, I'll sell my business and and retire on that. And it didn't always work out. One comes to mind is a, a client of ours who rural Tennessee, very successful dentist in, in where he was, but when it came time to sell the business, there just weren't, weren't buyers lo- looking for again, because of, a lot of everything is i'm sure but the geography etc and and he just really didn't end up selling it grateful uh, yeah, he and... made other plans was able to retire and and he's doing fine but but if if he was relying on that if that was his only plan he'd still be working now and you know in the 70s so
1: and the numbers suggest rod that there are tons and tons of businesses especially from that baby boomer generation that just aren't getting sold. And a lot mm. of it has to do with this planning early on. It's like people just kind of, they they put their head in the sand, they work on their business. They even create something really amazing. yeah, But then they wake up one day with the intention to sell it and realize it's not a sellable asset because they didn't make those tweaks along the way. Right. right. And so maybe they're, they're, they're going to have to make those tweaks and work for a few more years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously that's hard to see. And, uh, and even worse, some people, you know, might run into a health issue or some sort of challenge. And they, you know, they now they want to sell the business, but it's not worth what it should be or could have been with just some basic simple planning.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Okay.
1: Rod, let's talk about the quick uh, business, like kind of the primary ways that uh, transfer, ownership transfer that we've seen. Okay, first one, pretty common is to sell to a co-owner, right? This would be like a Rod and I situation. Christian gets burnt out. I'm like, oh, I can't do this podcasting thing anymore, Rod. I'm out. I'm like, you've got to pay me 50 million bucks and you can have my part of the business.
2: (laughs) I I was going to want the 50 million because I was getting old. And you're oh okay,
1: that's okay. So... See, the other option is Rod's <laughs> eight or nine years older than me. He's had a few more kids, and he's just old and tired. So we've gotta <laughs> okay, but uh that's one example. Yep. Um, another example could be to transfer to children, mm-hmm. right? uh this happens a lot, and I think for a lot of people, this is like the hope going in. They're sure. thinking, okay. If I could hold on to this business and go to the next generation, I'd be so excited about that. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, Rod. I, le- I love that idea with my own business, with our business. I have no desire to sell it. Um, mm-hmm. And you know we can talk about there's a lot of reasons why. I would love to have kids kind of come in and take over the business. Now, I have a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old, actually 11. He just turned 11. Mm-hmm. And... Whenever I bring up taking over the business, they're like, I don't want anything to do with the dad. <laughs> and I'm like, really, this is like the thing that's, you know, giving you all the things you got. That's not yeah. so bad. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> anyway, but you could, you know, we do see it a lot of in a lot of situations where um, it passes on to children and, yeah. you know, trying to plan on your 10 or 11 year old probably isn't a good idea but, but maybe maybe, a little early. But maybe once they get a little bit older and yeah you know, ready for that
2: yeah you're just planting the seed planting the idea
1: just planting the seed i'm just gonna like keep hitting it like you know every couple of weeks for the next 10 years and then you know it'll be like Voila. burned into their heads like oh this is just what i'm doing yeah yeah that's great <laughs> okay co-owners children team members like people that's uh that's a key employee, as an example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, somebody that again that has had a strong impact in the business could be somebody that has an interest in purchasing it. And and again, like we see, I think this is a really good opportunity, especially if you're kind of in that baby boomer generation and you're finding it that it's difficult to get the value of the business that you thought. One alternative could be. To bring kind of in someone that you're mentoring who can then become that business and pay you instead of you know you may not get this single lump sum large mm-hmm. payout but maybe the deal ends up being that you know you're splitting the the income from it for a period of time and they're buying yeah. you out over a you know with the note over a longer period of time
2: yeah for sure or, or another variation on this would be uh what's called an esop employee stock ownership plan where yep. not an individual, but, but as a group, they're able to buy you out and, and it becomes a stock or, or an employee owned business. So everybody's motivated. Everybody you know has yep. that, that ownership uh, kind of just built into to the program.
1: Okay. So that's the third one. You could get bought out by an outside party, right? That's what everybody thinks of when they think mm-hmm. of a, of a mm-hmm. business sale. It's funny because it's probably the least common, right? These other things ultimately, like, just because, you know, depending on the business, and the industry, all these things, it can be difficult to sell a business if you haven't planned appropriately. Mm-hmm. And most people don't. And for that reason, having like just this outside party come in is probably less common than some of these other things. But you can yeah. obviously build a business. And, and I think this is where the planning well, I shouldn't say that I, like, the planning is critical no matter what strategy mm-hmm. you're using.
2: Yeah. And and this one often comes in the form. Like we talk to, to clients uh, on a regular basis who are approached by say private equity firm or, or something like that, that they want to keep them engaged and involved in the business. And maybe they won't even buy a hundred percent. They'll buy a portion of it, but it it is, uh, a way to to kind of get that payout the the benefit of all the hard work you put into it uh c- comes out in in chunks.
1: Rod well, that reminds me we actually had a private equity person on a few months back. Yep. and talked a little bit more in detail about that. So yep. I can't remember the episode number but if that's interesting to you then um look for our episode on private equity. Uh okay, Rod talk about the last one.
2: Yeah, so the last one is uh is just having um, well put, maybe we can talk about the sale of our spa, right? Okay. Yeah. So This is one. Um, I mean, you could kind of think of it as an outside party, but it was someone who already owned a spa and was very successful, had processes in place and everything to be successful. And they bought ours to, to work, you know, in conjunction. I also spoke recently with, uh, one of our clients who, uh, who's been looking into great clips, franchises. Mm-hmm. And actually is uh, meeting with some people who are ready to retire and they've, they've owned a bunch of them and are selling them kind of in, in a group, you know, to, to him uh, as that. So anyway, a lot, lot of different forms that this could take, but um, you can be creative, right? Or, yeah. or and sometimes it falls well, in your lap, but, but, you know, don't, don't, think that there's only one way to do this. Recognize that if, if the kid thing doesn't work out, you know, the, they don't end up, you know, coming in. Well, that's you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to mean that, that the, the plan failed. There could just be different variations.
1: Well, and if you have a bunch of owners, let's say it's a larger business that has multiple owners. We talked about being sold out by a co-owner, but it could be a group of co-owners and really sure. it could be the company, Right. The company you're basically selling your shares back to the company, which then can get distributed to the other owners inside the ownership group. So like you said, there's just a variety of ways that can happen. Okay, Rod. So those were the five ways that generally we see business transfer happening and we hit on how to value your business. We talked a little bit about why it's so important to own a business. It's been a fun conversation, Rod. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, everyone, thanks for hanging out with us today. uh, And we'll see you next week on the Money Insights Podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.